Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What's one specific way to manage up? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Show, where we show you how to stand out and get ahead in your career. And in just a minute, we're gonna talk about a 15-minute weekly habit that will lower your anxiety and delight your boss. But first, did you know that I actually record the weekly wrap-up shows, the Friday podcast, as a Facebook Live video, usually on Thursdays? Yep. So if you want to get the episode early, or if you don't watch Tara and I banter back and forth and ask us questions live, you need to go to Facebook, look up LeadX Life, the LeadX Life page, L-I-F-E, like the page, and then turn on notifications so you'll know the next time we do a live video, which is usually Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you want me to answer your questions live on the air about leadership, productivity, entrepreneurship, whatever, go to leadx.org slash askkevin to submit your question. If I use it on the air, we'll ship you some free swag like a t-shirt, coffee mug, something else. Today's one minute tip is accountability, not micromanagement. Micromanagers dictate precise directions for how an employee should do her job or do her task. Now this squashes individual development and growth. It squashes feelings of ownership and it probably squashes innovations or possible breakthrough ideas. Accountability is different. You give employees the autonomy to complete the project any way they like. You just make sure they're clear on the deadlines and your quality standards. So typically if I'm assigning work, I explain the desired outcome and why we're doing it. Even if it's a simple task, even if I'm telling my assistant, hey, I need 50 copies of this report, I'm going to first tell her why the report's so important, what I'm going to do with those 50 copies. So it gives a little bit of a sense of alignment and meaning to the work itself, leads to better employee engagement, and they can keep the ultimate goal in mind. Now, if I think the person doesn't really have the knowledge or skills to complete the task, or it's going to take them forever to figure it out and I could really save them some time, Then I might be more directive, but I always start by saying something like, hey, listen, you can do this any way you like. And in fact, you probably will do it a better, faster way than I'd do it. But if I had to do the job, let me show you how I'd go about it. And then if the resulting work back is ever unsatisfactory, you just go into coaching mode. You know, explain what the intended outcome was, the intended standards, explain how what was handed to you or what was done fell short why that gap is important, and then mutually determine what can be done to improve the results next time. So the big idea is to stay focused on outcomes, not process. Accountability for results, not micromanagement. Our guest today spent 15 years in the financial services industry researching hedge fund investments. He was a managing director at BlackRock when he left in 2015 to explore projects focused on introspection, generosity, and community. Today, he's an entrepreneur in residence at Quartz, and he's the founder of the media company Rad Reads, which explores the question, what does it mean to live a fulfilled life? 
The Rad Reads newsletter has over 15,000 subscribers and is comprised of leaders, investors, academics, and change makers. I invited him onto the LeadX show after I read his article, The 15 Minute Weekly Habit That Eased My Work Anxiety, published on Quartz. Our guest is Kay He. Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Now, we're going to talk about that article that caught my eye in just a second, but I, of course, always start out in a whole nother direction, which is I want you to share a story, a story when sometime in your life when you failed, maybe it was early in your career. And what did you learn from it? Uh, because frankly, I want to learn from your failure, too. Wow. Uh, there are many, many instances. Uh, the one that jumps right off the page is um, early in my career when I was a hedge fund investor, there are two things that you must protect uh, at all costs. And those are the positions that you hold, uh, as well as the allocations and the names of your investors. Mm. And we had a file and in hindsight, it makes no sense. But both of those things were on the same in the same Excel spreadsheet. And I was sending the uh, annual, the monthly update to not only our clients, but all of our prospects. And I attached said file. Wow. I was uh, 23, 23, 24 years old, probably three months into the job. And um, yeah, I got, I got yelled at pretty badly. I think not, not I got yelled at, but m worse was I wanted to just crawl into a hole and, and never reemerged, uh, especially that early in my career. That is cr a crazy story. And thanks for sharing it, because I can't even imagine, you know, being being, uh, you know, a young man and then having done that, sent that very confidential information out to everybody. Like, when did you realize what you had done? As soon as I hit send. So you realized, boom, it set and then mm -hmm. it was too late to unsend. <laughs> I'm going to date myself. There was no Google. Are you sure you want to send this email? It was straight up Microsoft Outlook. Wow. Yeah. That had to be, uh, for an uncomfortable day. And I'm sure you heard about it from your, from your boss, but also some, from some of those people that you sent it to. And to make it worse, I think, you know, I was in a world where in finance, um, all of the management is, uh, management by fear. Right. And so when you make a mistake like that, which is a, it's a costly mistake to the business, potentially they fight fire with fire. And so it was, I mean, I got berated for God, like days. Yeah. Well, w when you look back with, you know, some, some distance now to it, what's the takeaway? Is it like, Hey, mistakes happen and, and life goes on? Or is it like you really need to do something else with that confidential information? Mm hmm. I think that th there were two two takeaways. One is that I, at the time when I kind of did a postmortem, why did this happen? I was trying to do too much. And I was I had like eight, eight windows open and I was sending personal emails, writing this investor letter and, and so on. So that was the, the, the first mistake was that I was just doing uh, too much. Uh, the second was that I didn't have, um, a checklist. And so, you know, you and I were talking before, um, uh, before this podcast and, and I have a podcast for my own podcast, a checklist where, you know, ch check this, make sure that I've restarted my computer and make sure that, uh, you know, I have enough, uh, hard drive space, things like that. And so I implemented checklists around kind of these mission critical tasks. Um, and then the third was, I think that the, probably the most powerful was that 
life goes on. Right. And, and I think that I need to remind myself still to this day because, um, that fear that instantly what crossed my mind is I'm going to get fired and then I'm going to be homeless and then I'm going <laughs> to starve to death. Um, and it's just not true. Um, you know, I, I ended up excelling as being the top analyst at that, uh, firm. I never, th- you know, I'm touching wood have, have been homeless or, or mealless. And so I think that, that it's a good, it's a good exercise and a good question that I use when I get into these situations is what's the worst thing that could happen. Right. Right. And it's actually usually not that bad. Right. It's ne- it's it, it will never be as bad as the as you know the initial reaction would be. Exactly. And that's because we're wired that way. That's our human evolutionary fight or flight reflex that gets triggered over, you know, bad emails or the the badge on uh, the new message indicator from your boss, something like that. <laughs> that's right. So, okay, let me move on to what what originally caught my eye. So, again, your article was titled uh, the 50 or at least the version I saw the 15 minute weekly habit that eased my work anxiety. And it's really an article uh, about how to manage up. And, And you open with this story about you used to have a boss who just email you, you know, call me. And then that, of course, you don't know, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Just as you mentioned, usually we're fearing, uh, mm-hmm. we're fearing something more than we're assuming it's going to be something good. So it triggered some anxiety. Uh, but you came up with a habit that that improved your working relationship with your boss. So take us back to that time and, and walk us through the article. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I've always been very afraid, I think. Um, Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's because as a as a teenager, I was kind of shy and, and insecure and never very never really felt socially accepted. Uh, but that's a different conversation. Hmm. But I guess that and I've worked in these intense industries. And so my default mess reaction was always like, shoot, I did something wrong. And and that's just. It just there was a huge cognitive dissonance because I I'm very hardworking I'm very thorough I'm, people like me at my job and so I, I was asking myself why is there this this disconnect and what can I do to avoid it so really I thought of it as an insurance policy or even more I thought of it as a game and the game was if someone senior to me ever has to ask me hey where's that thing where's that PowerPoint? Did you send that email? Did you check in with that person? If they ever had to ask me that question, I have done a bad job at managing their expectations. And then if you pair that with empathy, where you kind of understand the rhythm that people work uh, uh, at or their cadence, then you put those two together, you can kind of anticipate. So, you know, you have the one boss that ask you something and then checks in three days later. And so just make sure that, you know, by day 2.9, you've finished the task. And so you can't always get it to be that granular. But what I figured was, why don't I just send this email where I say what I'm working on, what's what's open-ended um, and what's completed and send it off, take, give myself 10 to 15 minutes to do it. That way, it pretty much covered that he'll never call and ask me, hey, where's that thing? Because he he will know the answer. And so I did it as an insurance policy, knowing myself, knowing that I get triggered by a lot of that fear and saying, I don't want that anymore. And and that was kind of a catch-all way to do it. Now, this is this is really incredible on so many levels. And I, I guess on one, and, and okay, I'm sort of just 
you know, vamping for our, our listeners here because I mean, you you sound to me like the dream team member, the dream employee. Because you know, first of all, you're trying to anticipate your boss's needs or at least requests, right? So you're thinking, and so few of us would do that. Say, wow, our boss asked us a follow up question. And instead of just answering it or saying, I, I wish she would stop being such a micromanager, of course I did it. You're saying, what could I have done to have prevented the question from being asked to begin with? And that really, um, I, I mean, really changes the the mindset, you know, with, with that relationship. And I think, as you described, take it to another level. We don't all have the same levels of emotional intelligence as each other, but if you can start to understand your manager's patterns, you know, does Kevin come in in an extra good mood on a Friday and an extra bad mood on a Monday? Or does he like to work, you know, quietly in the morning, but then he generally wanders around in the afternoon? You know, as you start to understand kind of the rhythm and the moods of your manager, then that helps you also to to communicate proactively. Absolutely. And there was there were some uh, tangential side benefits, which was one, it was an excuse to humble brag, right? Right. Like you did the task, like you're not bragging, it's a fact. Um, and so you're kind of always staying top of mind in your manager in the way you want to be uh, remembered. And then on top of that, you're doing the manager a favor because in this case, it was a he, he knows that you're on top of things. So he, he just doesn't need to worry about the things that he hands off to you. And maybe he has to commit his mind space to another direct report. And so it was just, it was like laced with these, like, it's like 15, it literally, I would set timers. Cause if it ever takes more than 15 minutes, it might not be worth it. Right. Um, and, and Kevin, I tell you, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I'm entrepreneur in residence at courts, which is, um, not even, uh, anything close to a full-time job. I still to this day, send that email to the founder of courts every Friday. So you just said something, Kay, you said it, it, takes you about 15 minutes or less to write this weekly email. Mm-hmm. Yep. How, how long do you think it takes for the boss to read it? Uh, one minute. Okay. And that, I think that, so this is great because, you know, you don't want to start a habit that's too burden, burdensome to yourself, mm-hmm. but probably if it took more than a minute or two, your boss might feel like, you know, too long, didn't read TLDR mm-hmm. and, and would, would not open it. So I think brevity is is a key part of the the successful habit. And you just triggered, I'm surprised I didn't, this didn't trigger before uh, our interview, Kay, but you know, my previous companies, most of them had, a lot of the revenue was from professional services. So we would build custom corporate training programs for, you know, pharmaceutical companies and stuff. And at some point I figured out, I don't know where I, I got the idea. I mean, it's obvious now that what I trained all of my project managers to do was at the end of every week, Friday, send the client a weekly status report. And it wasn't very long. It was little bullet points. And even if not a lot happened, it would say, okay, we're still waiting on your feedback from the scripts we sent you last week. End of end of update. But it set up that rhythm. And we, I mean, almost overnight became the firm known for like incredible client service. And it was only because we were proactively letting them know like, hey, have a good weekend and don't worry about it. Like we didn't forget mm-hmm. about you. We got this work done or my gosh, we fell behind by two days, but here's how we're gonna, you know, make it up. And nobody had to wonder, you know, what was what was going on. I mean, it's such a powerful and yet simple tool. 
Yeah. And, and what I would add is that when you don't have that communication, then people's imaginations start to run wild. Mm. And, and by doing that, I was preventing someone's imagination from running wild because it's like, okay, these are where these things are game over. Not like, Oh, is he waiting till the last minute to do this? Or uh, did he forget, you know? And, and the reality, even if I didn't send the email was none of those things were true. But by not sending it, then my boss's head could go to all these places. Right. Then he would take it back on me. And then it's like everyone loses. Right, right. Everyone loses. So, Kay, I always, you know, like to challenge our listeners instead of like trying to do some big life changing thing overnight. Say, just try to get a little bit better every single day. One new habit, one, you know, learn something new. So I want you to challenge us, uh, you know, what's one specific thing we should do today? And if it's, hey, go write that summary email to your boss, that sounds good. But is it that or something else? I think it is. And I'm still blown away. I think that, I mean, I've met so many professionals in my life and I could count on under, you know, two hands, the number of people that do it. And it's just, I don't know why people don't do it, but, but I give you something more original. Um, I think, and this, I think this is gonna be a little contrarian or maybe a little different, but the one challenge that I would give your listeners is try to make someone else better every day. Mm. And that can be really simple, like sending them an article on something you think that they're thinking about. It could be making an introduction. I like to call them MBIs, which are mutually beneficial introductions, where you just happen to know two, two friends of yours are really into Bitcoin. So just connect them and see what happens. You know, obviously with a double opt-in, so always check. Uh, to something that I, that I really believe in, which I, I, I call do free work, uh, which is just, you know, if someone's like working on a proposal or a manuscript or a blog post, like offer to, to, to read it and give them some quick comments. And I think that by a, by doing that, uh, helping someone, uh, releases, uh, oxytocin, um, in, in your brain. So it will actually physically make you feel better, but you will build up this groundswell of amazing relationships, um, and, and friends and just people who will have your back and, and you will learn about the, the things that matter to them. Wow. You, you just gave us so much stuff. And I like the way, I mean, you really have thought this through, you know, uh, do free work, MBIs. And I, I usually ask our guests, you know, for advice to young professionals who, who want to, you know, get ahead and be viewed as a high potential. I feel like that's all you've been giving us, like the, <laughs> the, the weekly email and these challenges. But I'll ask, I mean, other things you would like, you know, you can place a phone call to the past and you're calling, mm -hmm. uh, you're calling K he, you know, like mm -hmm. your age, 22, 25. I mean, what would, yeah. what would you tell yourself? Wow. Um, it, it's funny cause I would, okay. So th this, this is actually perfect, seg uh, perfect transition because it's the thing that I didn't do. Um, I did not do in basically my entire twenties is I never, ever looked within myself. Mm. I never looked at my fears. I never looked at my insecurities. And I just, I just went work, 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 hustle, you know, connect, um, read, don't sleep. And, and the way that I think about it is, um, what I did was imagine if you said to someone, um, you, I said, Kevin, Hey, um, I'm 21 years old and I'm not going to start going to the gym until I become a managing director at a financial <laughs> services firm, because I need to, I need to 
dedicate every single minute to getting that title. Um, and I, I basically did that for myself uh, emotionally. And I think that many, many professionals, more so males, um, are motivated by, and it's not like skeletons in your closet, but it's just kind of normal human angst, right? Why does an email, why, why does an email that says, call me, trigger your fight or flight reflex? Because we're, we're biologically wired that way. But on top of that, we might have been picked on when we were, you know, 12 years old, or we might not have had the relationship with our parents that we wanted, or we might have just been like huge nerds that were ostracized in high school. And what I learned was about myself was I built up all these tactics to combat that, almost thinking that I could outrun some of these feelings, thinking that more status, more money, more titles would make those feelings go away. And boy, was I wrong. It took me 15 years to figure that out. Well, and okay, to just interject, you know, I'm taking a couple notes and and not even really trying to be funny, but you're going through like, oh, you could you could have all these things. I'm like, check, check, check. You know, got mm-hmm. all of those. And as crazy as it's, you know, I'm 50 now, so it sounds crazy, but I did both of those things from age 20 to 30. It's sort of like. I never worked out because I thought, hey, I'll, I'll work out after I've built and sold this company. And mm-hmm. emotionally, relationship-wise, I just put all of that on ice. I mean, it. it I can't say I regret anything mm-hmm. I've really done, right? It all goes into who we are and we were who Absolutely. we were back then for because of all that stuff that went into us. But to me, I kind of viewed it as like the lost decade. And mm-hmm. I wish I could have gotten that call and said, you know, you will actually achieve success faster when you mm-hmm. take care of all these other other things, you know, looking uh, looking within. And Kevin, here's the crazy part is that you touched on it. But if you do those things, I would if I had done those things, I argue I would have been more successful. Right, right. I mean, we already know that with fitness, right? Like that's kind of accepted now culturally society that 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 a healthy body makes for a healthy mind. But I would say a healthy mind makes for like killer uh, instinct in business if, if, if that's if that's what you're seeking, you know, which I would imagine many people are, uh, many of your listeners are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now let me flip it around. Though. So, you know, we've been talking about kind of like managing up uh, to, to our boss and how to get ahead as a, as a young professional. So when you've been in the position of, of management and leadership, I mean, same kind of thing. What do you wish you, you knew, you know, some time ago? What's your advice to, to first time managers? I would say that the, the best piece of advice would be to, um, and I have explicitly stated this, is care about your direct reports as if they were family members. Hmm. And I think that the example that I give is um, you, you often see like a high performer, direct reports, raises their hand and says, I want to go to business school. And, and then the boss might say, oh, my God, I can't lose this high performer. Um, there'll be a huge hole in the coverage and, and who will replace her, him or her. And I think that is the, the worst way to think about as, as a manager because, um, A, 
I think humanity over corporations. I think that's just a, a grounding ethical principle of mine. But again, to that point about these kind of second order effects, these unintended positive consequences, you have the reputation of the person who cares about the employee first. Guess what? Everyone wants to work for you. Younger people will try to raise their hands to move into your group. And guess what? You leave on good terms with that person who goes to get their MBA. They end up at a firm. Oh, now they're a client. Thank you for being so supportive of me. Can we give you business or even better that, you know, you're looking for a job. Needless to say, we spend, I don't know, 60, 70 percent of our waking hours. Um, we spend more time with our colleagues than we do with our spouses. Right. Um, most. So, of course, you should just on a pure um, number of hours in the day. What you should care that way. So so I guess a, it's the right thing to do. B, the positive un- unintended consequences will um, be huge. Um, and C, it's just the right way. I- again, it's like the humanity uh, of really building meaningful relationships. And it, it's that theme we keep coming back to. It's like our f- our fear response, you know, fight or flight response causes so many of us to do the wrong thing because mm. the contrarian right way is you do the opposite and you'll actually have more business success from it and, you know, be a decent human being along the way. Absolutely. And happy in the process. Like you will personally be happy. What a concept. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and honestly, I'm glad you said that because ever since I left that track, I'm just so committed to those ideas. So, so I'm just grateful that you're, you're letting me share them with you and your audience. Well, okay. And let's get specific. Um, you know, tell our listeners all the ways they can find out about, you know, you and your work, including, uh, your podcast, which I had neglected to mention in your, in your intro. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, the main, uh, place to go is, uh, rad reads, which is my blog, but also an email newsletter, which is radreads.co, which covers a lot of these different topics on, um, self, uh, on reflection, introspection, but not in this kind of corny listicle way. Uh, really like looking at like how a tennis, like a mountain climber might think about fear and trying to extrapolate that to, to apply it to a business sense. Um, then an extension of that is the Rad Awakenings podcast, uh, which you can find at radawakenings.com or in iTunes. And it really, what I found is this, this fear, um, even if you've, you had a solid, like solidly middle-class, uh, existence with, with no skeletons, it motivates so many people and it causes so much internal strife. And so I just get people, there's a lot of crying, like I told you, um, <laughs> but I get people to share, share these stories, um, in a very vulnerable way, uh, so that the younger folks can really learn. And so, so instead of me saying like, do make that investment, I want 50 guests to, to say in their own way why they wish they hadn't made the, the, the investment in kind of their inner work. Uh, and so that, that's, those are the, the, the main places and the, the, the place I have the most fun is on Snapchat. Uh, I'm the oldest guy giving management and leadership advice on Snapchat, I think. Um, and that's under, um, the handle rad reads where there's a daily story. Wow. I, uh, I'm on Snapchat, but I'm more of a lurker than, you know, I try to put some stuff up, but it's back to that whole introversion, but I'll, I'll follow you as soon as we're, uh, done. Lurk this, away. Yeah. Yeah. Before, as soon as this interview's done and we'll certainly put up links to the show notes, but you know, Leadex family, I, you always hear me asking it for myself, but I want to ask, uh, ask you to do us a favor, you know, for Kay, because if you got just one new idea, you know, if you just got triggered emotionally a little bit, even 
go on to iTunes. The best gift that you can give them is search on Rad Awakenings and click that subscribe button, listen to an episode, and and leave him a good uh, rating and review. So, Kay, thanks for your time. Thanks for all the vulnerability, the transparency uh, into your uh, your career. And, you know, thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you, Kevin. This was an absolute pleasure. LeadX family, don't forget, you can get links and notes from this interview over at LeadX.org. And you can also download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership at LeadX.org forward slash Branson. And if you want to get more LeadX in your everyday life, just follow us at LeadXLife on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. That's one word, LeadXLife. And if you've ever gotten even just one good idea from a LeadX show, do me a huge favor. It takes less than a minute. And just subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a quick rating. Just go to leadx.org forward slash subscribe. Until next time, friends, remember, leadership is about influence, which means we are all leaders. Whether you're a salesperson or a soldier, an entrepreneur or an executive, a coach or a counselor, you are leading all of the time. You positively influence with your behavior and you influence negatively when you're a bystander. How will you lead today?